Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Blake, I'm one of the pastors here at Bedrock, and uh, I'm just excited that you're here with us. Last week we celebrated Easter. It was incredible. Doesn't it seem like it was six months ago we celebrated Easter? Uh, But man, we had an incredible weekend if you didn't get to be part of it. Uh, Our block party, we just got to meet so many different people from the neighborhood. We're inspired. We're looking at launching Spanish ministries and planting a Spanish church at this point. And I mean, it was just so evident of what God was doing around us. And so would you be praying with us as we continue to seek the Lord on that and how we can continue to reach the neighborhood that is around us? And Uh, We just got to talk to families, and it was just an incredible celebration over the past weekend, and um, man, it was just good, and so I I wanted to just bring attention to what's going on at the, we're not moving, okay? So um, this is all about God's provision. So if you don't know, if you're new with us, we are heading to Poland to serve and work with uh, refugees from Ukraine. The crisis is growing more and more. There's over uh, now four and a half to five million people who have been displaced out of the country and more within the country itself. And, and so uh, we're not there to fight wars. We're there to help people. And so part of what we did and, and are doing is we just asked the church like, hey, do you, does anyone want to go to Poland? Does anyone want to go with us as we serve in churches in Poland uh, that are helping people. And one thing we said was, hey, listen, if you feel called like, and you want to go, you can do that. If you can pray or you can give and you can give in multiple ways. Um, and one of the ways is you could pack a bag and, um, and bring it. Well, uh, there's a lot of bags up here. And in fact, it's a problem because we have so many bags now that we can't actually take these with us to Poland. And so we have to find a new way to get these bags over there. And so we're actually looking at renting a shipping container or working with this uh, company that helps missionaries move. Uh, And so they're going to ship the bags for us. But when we go over there, uh, we leave May 1st, uh, we will be looking at a ministry that is right on the border between Poland and Ukraine. And so that people, all of these supplies we're hoping will make it right to the border. Uh, and so if you feel inclined to continue to give clothing or, or whatever, supplies, I know that some of the team uh, that are going with us, they're in the medical field and they've worked out a way for the hospital that they work for locally to send supplies to a university there in Warsaw to continue to meet the need. And it's just incredible to see what God can do through his people when they catch a vision. And I know uh, there's one lady in particular, she's not going to want me to do this, but I didn't ask her permission, so she can be mad at me. But I just really want to thank Juliet uh, for all that she has done. Um, she has like been a mouthpiece, and she like half of these bags are here because she's just been telling people. And so, Juliet, thank you for being faithful to the call of God. And um, it's, uh, it's amazing what God can do through his people when they say yes. Um, so in order to prep for this uh, message this week, we moved actually last Friday. We, we moved houses, our fa- my family and I. And um, I don't know about you, but like when things move, it's really hard to find them. Like everything that I think of where it would be, it's not there. Like today I was getting ready and coming into the office and I was like, Kels, where is this? And where is that? Like, where is everything? And I don't know about you, but like when you don't see things or, or find things in the place that you expect them to be, sometimes it's really hard to see what's going on. In fact, this morning as I was getting ready, um, 
uh, we were making coffee, and um, this is up here for a reason. Because this morning, uh, I was asked, like, hey, can you grab some coffee creamer for me? And I was like, sure. Like, and there's, a, you know, there's about 20 of them in the fridge. And so this person was like, yeah, I use the coffee creamer with the green lid. And I was like, okay. So I'm like looking in there. My daughter Tatum's with me. And we're both looking into the fridge. And I'm like, I don't see any coffee creamers with a green lid. Like, I just don't see it. And I'm like looking and I'm like, what is going on? Because what I, I realized is, is I was looking through my own perspective and unable to see what was right in front of me because I really didn't understand what the person was describing to me. And it wasn't the person who was describing it to me's fault. It was my fault. And so finally, I found the green part of the lid. And I was like, oh, that's what she wanted. And I was like, that's not a green lid. That's a red lid. But, it, but the reality is, is the reason I was having an issue was not because the person described it to me wrong. There is green on this lid. I just had a different perspective in my mind. And I don't know about you, but has anybody ever had a hard time finding or seeing something because you expect to see something else? Right? Like, you're like, this just doesn't make sense. I don't see it. I don't see how this could be going. And instead of seeking understanding in this moment and asking the person, like, can you describe this a little bit more? I'm having trouble finding it. I'm, like, murmuring to myself. And I'm saying, like, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. There's no green lid in here. Right? And I get to this point where because of my privilege, because of, like, my place in life, what I thought was right, what I thought was accurate, I missed what was right in front of me. And I think that this really happens to us in life. Like we can miss what's happening right in front of us because we're looking at it the wrong way. And tonight as we continue on in the book of Romans, we're going to come to probably one of the, what would be the, the hardest chapters for many people to deal with. And so tonight I'm going to try to help us understand what's actually happening in Romans chapter 9. But let me just ask this question to us tonight. Where do you think you could possibly be missing what God is doing in your life because he's doing it in a way that you didn't expect it? That there's part of like what God described to you or how things were going to happen or what was going to happen because of that and because you had this image in your mind of what it should look like and what it should be like, you kind of miss what God is doing. Anybody ever been there? Well, that's exactly what's going to be happening in Romans chapter 9. In fact, I entitled tonight's message, Don't Let Religion Get in the Way. Because we're going to see like people's anticipation and perspective and their privilege in this moment in Scripture are kind of clouding them from seeing what God is actually doing in the world around them. And so maybe tonight, like you have this place that, that you are missing God because here's the reality. God is sovereign and you are not. And God is doing something sovereignly in the world right now that you're missing because it's not the way that you would do it. That's not the way I would do it, God. And so where are you, God? What's going on, God? And so Romans chapter 9, I think a lot of people get confused at this is really not about how our freedom is limited. It's really all about God's sovereignty. Romans chapter 9 talks about a big God who is sovereign and ruling and reigning. And for some of us, we don't expect God to do things in certain ways. And so we let our religion get in the way of what God's actually doing. 
And so tonight, as we continue on in this passage and in this moment, I want us to take this meaning, because privilege is this word that's used a lot in our culture, and it's getting moved around a lot. Privilege is simply this, an advantage or a special right. An advantage or a special right. And privilege by itself is not bad. It's what you do with privilege that determines how it works out in your life. And so tonight, if you have a Bible with you, would you open up to the book of Romans chapter 9, starting in verse 1. And we're going to actually make our way through the entire chapter tonight. Okay, and we're going to make our way into the beginning of chapter 10. Now, there is so much in here. We could probably spend four weeks in this chapter alone, but I want us to really understand the big picture of what God is doing in his word, because I really think he has something for us. Because for a lot of us in this room, our expectation, our privilege of understanding who God is and his word and our expectation of how he works and what he does may be clouding his movement in your life right now. You may be missing completely what God is doing. And so Romans chapter 9, starting in verse 1, it says this. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears witness to me in the Holy Spirit. What's Paul talking about? Paul's talking about how this, all of these things have entered into the lives of so many people because of the grace of God and the salvation work that Jesus did on the cross. But he says this, look. The Jewish people are having a bit of a problem. They're having a hard time understanding what God is doing because he's doing it in a way that they didn't expect. And if you've been with us like in, a, in our church, we tell you all the time, like God does things in ways that you don't expect. And so sometimes we need to set our expectations down and just allow God to do what he's doing. We need to have the faith and our worldview has to not get so rocked when God does something outside of what we would expect him to do. And if we look back in our life, how many of us are thankful that God didn't answer that prayer? Right? Garth Brooks wrote a whole song on this thing. Right? Like, thank God for unanswered prayers. Now, they weren't unanswered. God just answered them in the way that it should be, not in the way that he expected nor wanted. But man, it turned out better. And so tonight, I want us to look at this. And so what Paul's going to do is he's going to write and he's going to start to address the, the Jewish people in Rome. And he's going to say, like, you guys come from this incredible place of privilege in your life. But some of us are missing what God is actually doing. And he's going to refer to these, these two words, Israel. You're going to hear Israel a lot. This word Israel can be translated a couple different ways, and Paul's going to use them side by side. So you and I need to understand some things. Israel can be the nation, the people, the geography, but it can also be what's referred to as God's called people. True Israel is what the Bible refers to it as many times, is this is God's people who believe in him. And so Paul's going to make some distinctions in this life. And I think you and I fall in the camp of where we don't always understand the family of God. So it says this, starting in verse 2. He says, I have asked and I bear witness to the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. I want you to hear something because there's some things in this chapter that are a little bit hard to hear. But I want you to understand that Paul's heart is for his people. And how many of us know sometimes you got to say hard things to people that you love because it's the thing that they need to hear? 
And sometimes we got to say it because they're expecting God to move in a certain way. And you're like, hey, we need a perspective shift. Your privilege of understanding who God is or your thought of who God is, is being changed. And you need to understand it's not that God is changing. It's maybe that your theology wasn't right. And so what happens here is Paul's going to begin to say, I need you to understand and see the bigger story of what God is doing in the world. I need you to see that this isn't just about us anymore. That God is is moving out and the responsibility that we had to tell the whole world about who God was is now going beyond Israel. It has a lot to do with Israel's failure and their their inability to, to do what they were to do. Verse 3. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Here's what he means. He means, man, if I could lose my salvation so that they could have salvation, I'd do it. If I could be cut off from Christ so that all of my brothers and sisters in the Hebrew nation could believe in Jesus and see what Jesus is actually doing, man, I'd do it. That's how much I love them. And so here's what goes on is to say, he says this, they are Israelites. They're Israelites. And Israel has always played a place of privilege and importance in the Bible. 100%. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just what Israel did with their privilege that messed things up. Look at what it says, verse 4. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever, amen. And this is referred to as a doxology. And this isn't just meant for us to look at this and go, man, what an awesome people. Paul's going to go, these people, my people, experienced such privilege in their life. But here's the first point of the message. Privilege does not determine purpose. So many of us in this room have come from maybe Christian homes. You grew up in the church. You were born in America. I mean, let's be honest. There's a lot of privilege here in this room, and that's okay. It's a matter of what we do with it. It's a matter of how we walk forward in it. But I want you to see something. Israel has been given so much privilege. And Paul says, man, I would be cut off from Christ so that they could be saved. What does that mean? Israel, in their privilege, squandered it. Paul says, man, you guys have such advantages. You have all of these things that were right in front of you, laid before you. You guys have to understand this is this incredible moment. But man, somehow privilege didn't equal purpose. There's nine privileges that that Paul talks about in this passage. He says, you guys were descendants of Abraham. You guys were descendants of Abraham. You guys are the people of the promise. You're adopted as sons and daughters of God. God revealed his presence. That means his glory, that word Shekinah. That was the presence of God that dwelt with the people in the wilderness. That Israel saw God and dwelt with God like no one else had or has since on this earth. You guys, you received the Shekinah glory of God. He dwelt with his people in a unique way. All of the covenants 
are given to you. All of these promises. You received the law. And we've talked about the law so many times in this room. The law may have been the big, one of the biggest acts of grace that God could have ever done. And you're like, why is that? All it does is show us our guilt. But it also lets you know how things can be okay. And man, if you didn't know you were guilty, why would you need any forgiveness? So it's an act of grace, not an act of condemnation. They were given the right and the ability to worship. The promises of God were given to them. They have this incredible heritage of these patriarchs of the faith. Abraham, Moses, Isaac, Jacob. I mean, think about that. These people who did incredible things for God, they come from your line. They come from your people. And then finally, he says this. Jesus comes from Israel, the savior of the world comes from your people, but somehow you missed it. See, here's the deal. Sometimes in our privilege, we get a little bit spoiled. Anyone ever realized in here, like anyone who has kids, you get this, right? Like you take them to like the bounce house that no one else has. You take them to bounce down under or whatever. And you get in there and like, this is it. And you're like, this is it. What do you mean? And they're like, I'm just used to being in favor. See, some of us need to realize you're just used to the favor of God. You're just used to it. You're used to being able to wake up in the morning and pray to God. You're used to understanding and knowing scripture. You're used to coming in here and being able to sing freely. But if I took you to certain parts of the world right now, what we did would have been busted up by the police and all of us would have been dragged to jail. We're just used to our privilege. And so I don't want to look at Israel and go, man, you guys just don't get it. I think I look at it and go, do I get it? Do I get this awesome moment? Like church, look up here. This is privilege. We have enough stuff in our life that we can pack suitcases full of stuff and send it across the world to people who don't have anything. And for so many of us, it was like looking in the suitcase and it's like, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that, whatever. So many of us in this room, me included, get so used to the privilege that we have. And what comes out of privilege when we don't keep it reined in is spiritual elitism. And that's exactly what happens to Israel. Israel goes, hey, we are the people of the promise. We do have the patriarchs. We do have the temple. We do have all of these things. We do have the law. We do have the word. We have all of these things. And so look at us. See, because what should happen to so many of us in this room and in this time is we should be those who see what God has given us and because of thankfulness and gratitude, be willing to tell the world. See, instead of telling the world about all the wrong that they do, maybe we should be telling them about the God who came to save them. Because a place of privilege is the place where we become judges. Where we become the ones who tell, oh, no, 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 that's not right. Oh, no, no, that's bad. Oh, you're awful. Instead of telling them about the grace of God. See, spiritual elitism comes in when you don't get the heart of what God is doing. And Jesus is no longer the center of your religion. Then you become judge and jury. You begin to miss what God is doing because here's the reality. What Israel forgot is there's nothing that they did to deserve all that God had given them. But sometimes when they looked at the Gentiles, everyone else in the world that wasn't Jewish, they'd look at them and go, how could God love them? Instead of saying, man, how did God love us? 
how did God love us? And how, how does God continue to move with us in this moment? And see, here's the deal. When our privilege gets out of control, it doesn't equate to our purpose. And then we begin to judge people on things that God doesn't judge them on. And when we become judges and we hold people to standards that God doesn't hold them to, we get into a real problem. See, what happened to Israel is their religion got in their way of knowing God. Their religion got in the way of what was actually happening in this moment. And, I, and I'm not saying we can't have standards. I'm not saying that we can't hold the line on certain things. We have to hold the line on certain things. Let's just make it sure it's God things. And so what happens to Israel in this moment is this led to a sense of entitlement. And when you and I have a sense of entitlement, we lack humility. I'm owed this. And let me just tell you something. We live in a world right now that is entitled to everything. I mean everything. Every single thing that we could have. Every single thing that, like, if someone has something different than us, man, why don't we have that? And so Paul is talking to a group of people that Jesus showed up and did something that they weren't expecting. Jesus died on a cross and rose again, not just for Israel, but for the world. And because their religion and because their ideas of who God was was different than what God actually did, they began to miss it. And so you and I can receive all of the privilege in the world and know who God is and know what God is doing. And we can have all of our theology down. But man, privilege does not equal you walking in your purpose. And Israel's purpose was to tell the world about Jesus. And they had walked out of it. So let me just ask you, church, like, where are we in our privilege? Have we just begun to walk out of what God has for us? The purpose that God has put in our life. And so what begins to happen here is Paul begins to talk to them. And, and he, remember what I said in this passage. This chapter is not about our lack of freedom or our sovereignty. It's all about God's. And when we get into a place of privilege, we begin to believe we're sovereign. We begin to believe that we are the ones, that we have the right, that we know better than all of these things. And so look at what the Bible says as we continue here in Romans chapter 9, verse 6. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. Here's what Paul says. Man, all of Israel isn't saved, isn't rescued, isn't redeemed. Man, has somehow God failed because his nation didn't get saved? Because his people didn't recognize who he was? Did God fail somehow? No, not at all. Look at what Paul says. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Remember I told you that Paul's going to use that word Israel in different ways. He says, not every who was born into the nation is really part of God's nation. See, so many of us in this room, I, and I hear this a lot, like, oh, are you a Christian? Yeah, my granddad was a preacher. Are you a Christian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom went to church a lot. Are you a Christian? I went to Sunday school a couple times. Are you a Christian? Well, I do good things. Are you a Christian? Well, I don't have any other box to check. So yeah, I think I was born in America. Let me just tell you something. This is what Paul's going to say. Family doesn't determine favor. So our privilege can in so many ways begin to, it doesn't mean because you're privileged, you're born into this incredible God family that you're going to walk in your purpose if you get entitled in your privilege. But then what else he says is your family doesn't determine favor in your life. 
That's what he means right there. He says, look, not everyone who comes out of the physical heritage of Israel is really part of this thing. You're not born into heaven. Do you realize that? You're not born with a place saved for you in heaven just because you come out of a certain family. And that's what the people of Israel began to think. I'm an Israelite. I'm born. I'm the people of the promise, man. There's a place for me. And Paul goes, oh, God's showing up in a way that's different than you think because your family doesn't determine favor. And so this is personal. That's exactly what Paul is going to say in this moment. And Israel and the people here, Paul begins to anticipate like, hey, wait a second. That's different than everything I've ever heard. That's different than what I have heard and what's been told to me. Look at what the, Paul even uses an example here. Verse 7, and not all children of Abraham are, are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it, that, that it is not the children of flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. Here's what Paul means. Just because you're born into a faith family doesn't mean you're a faithful person. And for so many of us in this room, because we were born in the privilege of a faith family or we were born in America where a lot of people were Christian or all of these things, man, we just think we're good. We just think like, hey, we're good. We're part of this descendancy. We're part of this line of people. My granddaddy was a preacher, so I'm good because somehow through osmosis, his faith became my faith. No. No. When your granddaddy and your mom and your whoever, they're believers, they're, it's just cuts in the line. You have to own this. You have to believe this. You have to, in this moment, begin to think this. So when God is not the center of our faith, but our privilege is, we begin to prefer religion over God and begin to change God to fit our preference. Because this is my kingdom and this is my place. I mean, some of us in this room, when I said God's sovereign and you're not, you already were rubbed the wrong way. What do you mean I'm not sovereign? Thank God you're not sovereign. Aren't we looking at what power unabated, power undealt with, power of people who don't care about other people and only about themselves are doing around the world right now? Haven't we had enough examples of people who act sovereign in what that does? Man, I'm going to just tell you right now, this is later in my notes, but if you've got a problem with that, the problem's not with God, the problem's with you. Why would we want to be sovereign? Why? Why would we want to do that? Do you know all things? Do you believe all things? Do you, do you, do you have the universe held by your very word? Did you speak all things into existence? Are you perfectly good, perfectly holy, perfectly righteous, and you know the result of all things? Sounds foolish to take control from someone who can do all those things. I think our only response to God in heaven is this. Take it. I can't do this. I don't understand this. I don't see this. I don't know this. And that's why Romans 8.28, which John preached earlier tonight, that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes is true. Because the God of all goodness is the one who is in this moment holding all things together. And they miss God because he wasn't doing things the way that they preferred. 
And how many of us, maybe in this moment, maybe you're just in church for the very first time in your life, like for a long time, because God did something in a way that was so different than you and you were so hurt by that that you decided to move on. So instead of just saying like, man, I don't understand this, would you help me have faith to believe in you right now? You said, you know what? I'm done with you. My way's better. I'm moving on. It's like the prodigal son who goes away because he thinks he knows what he can do with his inheritance better than what the father can do. And so maybe you're prodigal in this room right now. And let me just tell you something. Here's an encouragement maybe to all of us because I don't know about you, but I miss what God is doing all of the times. This is what God, this is what Paul means when he says later in this passage, who is the clay to question the potter? Man, you made me a bowl. Why didn't you make me a vase? Hey, hey, man, I really wanted to hold roses. Now I just hold gravy. What the heck? Like this is, I didn't want to be that. That's disgusting. Then God goes, well, I know you better than you. So my purpose for you is better than you could ever imagine. Anybody ever gone and done something that you thought you should do because you thought in your goodness and in your knowledge and in your perfection and in your holiness, you went and did something and you're like, I'm designed for this. And then you really realize that it's not designed for you. Church, this is exactly what happens. And these, these people are beginning to say, how is this possible that the promises go to, now are moving and, and the Gentiles are brought into the family? Like, how is this even possible? This isn't the way I expected you to do it. Because in my privilege and what I thought you were, you stopped becoming the center of my thoughts and I became the center of my thoughts. And when I did that, I didn't like what you did. So I moved on. And chaos ensued. Do you know why so many people in the world didn't recognize Jesus when he got here? Because Israel was too busy squandering everything else than telling the world about who was coming. Have so many people in this world missed who Jesus Christ is because our churches are too full of people who deal with preference and privilege than we are about telling them about the one who saved us? Are we too busy making rules and laws and things in this world that don't belong in the Bible, that aren't in the Bible, but we've built whole kingdoms after them? We are not so far removed from Israel. We are not so far gone because family doesn't determine favor. And listen, this is a big thing going on in our world right now, and I just want to encourage us with this. A lot of us in this room right now, maybe you've dealt with church hurt. Church hurt isn't God hurt. Can I just say that in this room right now? Like maybe you've been hurt by people in the church. Maybe you've been hurt by some of the things that go on. Maybe some of the things that go on in the church make you disgusted. And let me just tell you something. Not all who are in Israel are of Israel. Let me say it a different way. Not everyone who's in the church is really part of God's church. And there's wolves amongst the sheep all the time. And so maybe the hurt that you experienced either had to do with your privilege and what you thought should happen. Or because you met wolves in the church. And let me just tell you, like as a pastor, I'm tired of dealing with wolves. Tired of it. And so maybe just in this moment, that freedom that you need to feel right now is not that God hurts you, but it's people who pretended to believe in God, but who built kingdoms around their own purpose in their own way and their own privilege are the ones who hurt you. 
And you just need to be released from that. And you need to run back to God because don't judge a perfect God off imperfect people. And so just because you're born into the family doesn't mean you're really part of the team. It doesn't. It's like this. My dad's a doctor. Just because my daddy's a doctor doesn't mean you should take medical advice from me. (laughs) I'm not part of that team. So if you're like, hey, Pastor Blake, I got cancer. What should I do? And I was like, drink orange juice three times a day. You're going to be fine. How do you know that? My dad's a doctor. Don't you know? By osmosis, I received medical knowledge. (laughs) Like, it's ridiculous. Right? It's ridiculous. Like it's, or like someone who says like, hey, let me give you some medical advice. Oh, what's your criteria? In college, I took some biology classes and I was pre-med. Oh, did you finish the degree? Are you practicing medicine? No. So then you probably shouldn't give that advice. Oh, let me tell you, I read it on the internet. WebMD told me that you have a brain tumor. I'm sorry. Have you ever read WebMD? Everything ends in a brain tumor. It's like my foot hurts. It might, it could be just like tendonitis or you have a brain tumor. We don't know. That's my expert medical opinion. Where did that come from? I just looked at the symptoms and the possible causes. I mean, that's where I'm at. So it could be good news or bad news. We don't, we don't know. That's the same thing. Some of us have met people who are hanging around the church, but they're not really part of the church. And I know this is hard. I know that this is hard to hear. Because, man, we're dealing with a lot. And a lot of the time, people who are not really part of the church will give you their preference and give you their privilege. And they'll begin to steer you away. And this is exactly what Matthew, or Jesus talks about in the book of Matthew. Watch out for wolves in sheep's clothing. But because of these moments, we, we realize and we begin to move into these areas because you know what? God's not doing it like the way that we thought. We thought it was a red cap with a green deal. So we couldn't find what God's actually doing in our lives. Because we just got so used to the good life. We got so used to this being okay. Don't be a WebMD Christian. Don't be like, oh, I just saw this pastor talk about it on YouTube one time. Let me just tell you something. My word is not gospel. I hope you bring your Bible. I hope you look at these words. I hope you check on me. I hope you wonder if what I'm saying is true. Just because I went to Liberty and I have degrees and all of these things doesn't matter. Look, there's guys that are falling out of the ministry right now that got degrees from the same places I did with the same professors I had. And so what happens here in this moment is that you and I realize that privilege doesn't equal purpose. And so you're not just born into this kingdom of God where you just like are part of the team and do all of these things that's personal. And sometimes God's going to do things different than what you expect him to do. And you and I got to be okay with that. We got to get out of our privilege and go, man, is God doing something in a way that I didn't expect? And it's not like God's doing a new thing. He's just doing that same thing in a way that I didn't expect. So it's just new to you. And so what happens is is then we see that your family doesn't determine favor, that it doesn't just because you have a faith family, like you're good. 
And then Paul begins to use example after example of where God did things differently to Israel and in the history of Israel than they ever expected. And what begins to happen is he says, Jacob and Esau, he begins to talk about Pharaoh and how he hardened Pharaoh's heart, but Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And he says all of these things, and there's one part in these verses where he says, and some of us are going to ask us, who can resist God's will and who can do all of these things? And Paul simply says, don't look at this through your privilege. Like you understand all of this. Who are you, oh man, to question God? In his purposes, in his ways, in the way that he's doing it. Because how many of us would have guessed he would have sent his son into the world to die for the world? No way. There's a system. There's a king. There's somebody. But Jesus and God did it so differently in this moment. And so Paul begins to illustrate for these people that God has been doing it differently all the way through. Jacob and Esau. Esau's the older son. He should be the son of the promise. He should be the one of privilege. But the Bible says that Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. And both of them represent people. Jacob represents Israel and his brother Esau represents the Edomites. The Edomites are not the people that God brought Jesus through. So does it mean that he hated Esau? No, he just didn't give the promise through Esau. And God was showing, I'm going to do things differently than you expect. Because he's sovereign and he's good and he's holy. And you just got to be ready to see it because it may happen in a way that you're not expecting. But here's what we see in this next part of the message. Privilege produces preference. We always say this at our church and I will keep saying it until I'm no longer here and you guys get another pastor. People over preference. People over preference. So let me just tell you, if we get into a moment where everybody arrives in our church that loves hymns, guess what we're going to sing more of? Hymns. You know why? Is that my favorite way? Is it maybe some of you in here were like, man, I don't like that rock band sound. But there's people here who it's reaching. And so you got to be about people over preference. See, what happens when you and I get to this privileged place, we begin to develop preferences around things that God didn't develop them. Romans chapter 9, verse 30 to 33. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is what? By faith. But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone, and it is as it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in me will not be put to shame. When we really aren't about Jesus, and he is not the center of what we will do, we will begin to build a religion of preference. Is it okay to have preferences? A hundred percent. I may not be your preference for a preacher, and that's okay. Maybe there's another preacher in town that you like more. Cool. That's okay. But we can't build kingdoms around preferences. Right? Because then we start creating rules that don't exist. And what happens here in this moment is when we turn uh, to what, what, what should have been grace, what should have been mercy, what should have been the love of God, we turn it into works. 
That's exactly what happens. Hey, you got to earn your salvation. You got to make sure that this goes okay because it's not about faith and grace of God. It's all about now what you do and what you don't do. See, when we start to act out of our privilege, we begin to place our preference at the top of the mantle and God becomes secondary and we begin to measure people's goodness and their holiness and their righteousness and all the things based on our preference. So what is this? Here's what it is. Privilege makes us think we can write the rules. Romans chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it. He, he begins to say, look, what, what are we, how are we supposed to respond to this moment? And he says this, brothers. He refers to his countrymen, his people, in this familiar term. He says this, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. What does that mean? You can be running really fast in the wrong direction. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own. This is called something we're going to bring it up in just a second. They did not submit to God's righteousness for Christ is the end of the law for the righteousness to everyone who believes. What does that mean? Jesus is the beginning and the end. And just because you have Jesus doesn't mean you can keep writing. There's a word that we use for this in our current churches, in our current culture. You may have thought about this. You may have heard it. It's called legalism. It's not Christian. See, what legalism does is makes a functional righteousness, not a faith righteousness. So, yeah, you want to be righteous and holy and good? Here's our list of preferences, and you just abide by those, and you're good, and you'll be accepted into this community. See, what happens is we talked about this earlier in the night is that when we get to privilege and we make Jesus not the center but a secondary of our religion, we let religion get in the way and we miss what God is doing. And when we do that, we begin to judge people because Jesus isn't judging them there. So what do we do? Legalism is this. We sit in the judgment seat of God and begin to tell people what is good and what is not according to things that God doesn't judge them on. You're like, Pastor Blake, what does this mean? What does this look like? Why? Because we do this because we want sovereignty. Because we're the center of our own religion. And you are your own God. And you will hold people accountable to things that you can't even fulfill yourself. See, here's the deal. It's rooted in pride, which is the root of all sin, which causes us to move from God because we have a higher standard than God. So what does legalism look like? Well, they create rules that God doesn't. Like this. What version of the Bible do you read? NLT? Mm-mm-mm, not for me. NIV? No way. The only blessed word is that of the King James 1611. Oh, it is? Because that's done off the Latin Vulgate. Huh, weird. So what, 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 what brand, what letter, what, what, what letters are on your Bible? You guys got an ESV like me? What you got? NLT? Oh, you might just go, right? Like you got NIV? Hey, now. This is what legalism does. This is the preferred version of God's word. Notice what I said. Version of God's word. 
Can you have a preference? Absolutely. But if some of you, we don't even give away ESVs out there. Because we're not a church that's built on preference. We want to be a church that's built on Jesus Christ. You may have heard this. What denomination are you a part of? There's a lot of preferences in there. Are you SBC, PCA? I mean, what, what, what are you? I think we're telling such a better story here. We currently meet in a PCA church. We serve with a PCA church. There are members of that church in this room right now listening, and I will attend their services. And you know what? Because it's not about denominations. I had somebody ask me one time, hey, would you ever do this? You got to convert to this. Nah, I won't do that. Same Jesus, same God, same everything. Why would I do that? To, to appease your preference. I'm not here to appease kings on this earth. I'm here to appease the king. And so what else do they say? Does your church have lights and smoke? I get asthma. It hurts me. You can't worship God in like strobe lights. Really? You can't? I mean, I wonder how many of us would have had a problem with the pillar of fire coming down from heaven in the middle of the wilderness at night. Looks a lot like a, like a, like a light show and there had to be a lot of smoke. <laughs> it's a pillar of fire. We would have been like, not here. What denomination is this? What version of the scrolls are you using? Right? I can't follow this guy Moses anymore. He stutters and I don't know. I don't like this. Do you guys sprinkle or dunk? Well, I mean, what's the deal? Do you put people under the water the right way? Like Jesus was, right? And that's how we word it. Like there's an obviously right way. I, I, guys, newsflash, theology tells us baptism doesn't save you. Baptism just tells the story about what's happened to you. Oh, here's other questions. Do you speak in tongues? And, oh, that's a big divider. What's your view of the end times? You don't, okay, well, is there an actual rapture? Is there not a rapture? Is there a literal millennial reign? Is there not a millennial? Like, you're talking about the end of the Bible. That's prophecy. Here's all you need to know. He's coming back. You and I can have great discussions about how he's going to do that and when he's going to do that and what that's going to look like. But here's the deal. We are only on this side of Revelation. Every other book of prophecy, we're on the other side of. So we get to look back with great confidence and clarity and go, yeah, obviously God was doing that. So why do we think we should have that with the book of Revelation when it's all forward? And maybe we're missing the whole point. Like, are the locusts Apache helicopters? I don't think that's what God wanted us to think about. I think he wanted us to think about, like, he's coming back. Am I ready? He's coming back. Have I told the world? He's coming back. Have I loved people the way that he loved people? He's coming back. This isn't the end. He's coming back. It's going to be okay. Not, are they Apache helicopters? <laughs> Who's the Antichrist? Every election. Whoever's running, they're the Antichrist. Don't vote for them. And you want to know what preferences can do? Just look at our current political system. We hate each other. And we will virtue signal and we will show people what holiness and righteousness looks like simply by the party that you vote for. Because we've made kings out of things that were never meant to be kings.
And let me just tell you, when you make a king out of something that wasn't meant to be a king, it will always let you down, yourself included. So here's the deal. Don't let religion get in the way. Have preferences, just don't make them kings. At this church, we do not worship denominations. We do not worship versions of the Bible. We do not worship certain gifts. We do not worship the type of music that we do. We do not worship types of events. We worship one thing here. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of Lords and the Kings of Kings. We are not so far from Israel. See, because when we become privileged and we walk in our privilege in the wrong way, it's like this. Anyone who has kids, young kids, knows this. The band's going to come out. I can hear them back there. They're ready. <coughs> They're like, be quiet. Okay. Here's the deal. I don't know if you've ever given your kids a gift, but there's like a box and then there's the gift. Us, like, and like I've given my kids like super nice, like, Here's a really nice power wheel, and here's the giant box it came in. Do you know what my kids played in? The giant box that it came in. And I'm like, there's a power wheel, and there's freedom, and the real gift is this, not the box. That's what privilege can do to us. Instead of rolling with God, you're sitting in a box. And for so many of us, we're like that because we just don't see what God is doing because it doesn't align with our sovereignty. But the deal's this. God is in charge and we are not. If we have a problem with that, there is not a problem with God. There's a problem with our thinking. And really, would we want it any other way that God would be sovereign and we would not be? In all honesty. So Romans chapter 9 is not about our limit of freedom. It's about us fully giving up our freedom and trusting him. Because he's sovereign. And he's Lord. And he's good. And he's holy. And he's righteous. And so just I ask us all this question. Who are you? I think if we're all honest, we're probably Israel in some part of our life. We're probably legalistic. We're probably preferential and privileged people in some part of our life. And so all I'd ask you to ask God right now is where? Where in your life? Like I literally had someone ask me the other day with all these clothes. They said, well, are they going to go to Christians? I don't know. And honestly, I hope it goes to whoever needs it. And I hope that it awakens people's lives and their minds to the fact that there's a church on the other side of the world who Christians, because they love God and love people, got together and they didn't care who got it. And we just trusted our King and our Savior that whoever receives these gifts is exactly the person meant to get it. Let us not miss the heart of God in this moment for our lives and what he's doing in this world. And maybe tonight there's something that you just need to lay down because you've been clinging to your preference and your privilege. 
and God is working in your life and you're missing it. You're too busy playing with the box. You're too busy looking for the wrong creamer. You just need to open your eyes. He's right in front of you. And so just with every head bowed and eyes closed for just a second, if there's just like part of your life that God has just revealed to you right now that you just need to lay down, maybe that's the breakthrough you need in this season of your life. He is God and you are not, and that is so good because he's a loving, good, holy, righteous father who loves you more than you could ever comprehend. And because he loves you, he's going to lead you by still waters. So maybe today you just need to let go of your preference, of your privilege, and just walk towards him. And maybe you're in this room and for the very first time, you've got to stop trying to save yourself. The way that you and I become part of what God's family is, is by faith and faith alone. You don't have to work to save yourself. The only thing you need to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ is Lord. And the Bible says that you will be saved. You don't have to earn it. He already did. And so if you're in this room and you want to receive salvation in Jesus Christ for the very first time in your life. Maybe you want to rededicate your life because you've been walking your own way for way too long. Would you just raise your hand? We're not going to call you out. We're not going to call you up. But we want to celebrate with you in this moment. God loves you guys. He's with you. Yield to him and his kingdom in this moment. Thank you for jumping into today's message, and we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you, and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.